glory to God. So with that being said, I want to go to our text. I want to go to our text. Uh, I'm not going to start a new series today. We just finished a series. Just want to talk to you for a little while. Amen. Uh, my, my goal is to start a new series next week. Amen. I was praying. I was asking God, hallelujah, that before I try to unfold what I have on my heart to talk about that, I just spend a little more time with God on that particular subject. But we've been talking about increasing in the area of character. And we've been talking about the balance between gifts and fruits. Amen. And so I'm asking God if he would allow me, because I've always got to do what he tells me to do. If he would allow me, I'd like to open up that subject and talk about the balance between gifts and fruits and deal with each gift and each fruit. But rather than doing a whole series on the nine gifts of the Spirit and then another series on the fruits of the Spirit, I want to do it a little different. I want to do one gift, one fruit. One gift, one fruit. Amen? Hallelujah. So help me pray about that. That's not what I'm going to talk about today. Amen? Today, it's funny because since there's such a flow of worship, uh, I know that God knows what he's doing, hallelujah, because while I was contemplating talking about this new subject, this new series, God said, nah, 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 go over there and talk a little bit about worship. And so I want to talk to you a little bit about worship. Is that all right? Open up your Bibles, hallelujah, very quickly to a very familiar portion of scripture, Genesis, the 22nd chapter, Genesis chapter number 22. Hallelujah, Jesus. I'm, I want to be mindful of the time. We've already lost some, Hallelujah. Because I know that school begins for many of us tomorrow. Amen. And uh, I want the mamas to keep coming on Wednesday nights. And so I'm, I'm going to try to go quick. I'm going to try to go quick. Hallelujah. And be done on time. Um, so that the kiddies can get in bed. Hallelujah. And, and be ready for their first day. Amen. Hallelujah. Genesis 22 beginning at verse number 1. When you have it, shout amen. We read today in the name of the Father, the Son, and of the Holy Ghost. And the word of the Lord says as so. And it came to pass after these things that God did tempt Abraham and said unto him, Abraham, and he said, Behold, here I am. And he said, Take now thy son, thy only son Isaac, the promised baby, the miracle baby, whom thou lovest. What do you do when God asks you for the thing you love the most? And get thee into the land of Moriah and offer him there for a burnt offering upon one of the mountains, which I will tell thee of. In other words, I'll show you when you get there. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him. I want you to see that. And Abraham rose up early in the morning and saddled his donkey and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place afar off. And Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the donkeys, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again unto you. Amen. Listen to what he's saying. Me and the lad are going to go yonder to worship. Me and the lad are going to a whole other level in worship. Watch this. But that next level requires that you leave something behind. You stay here with the donkeys. 
me and the lad are going to another place in worship and we shall return. The inference there is that something could be hindering your worship. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And here is the reality. And here's what I hear God telling somebody in this place tonight. I'll lead you if you leave it. I'll lead you if you leave it. And so I want to talk to you for a little while, just a little while, under the subject unhindered worship. Unhindered worship or worship unhindered. Amen. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Father, in Jesus' name, add blessing to your word now and minister to your people in a powerful way. In Jesus' name. And the church said, amen and amen. Hallelujah. Glory to God. Amen. Does anybody in this place like me uh, feeling the pull of God to take their worship to another place? Amen. Hallelujah. It, it's amazing, hallelujah, who, how it's God. It's not Abraham, but it's God who is doing the pulling. Who's doing the pulling and challenging Abraham to take his worship to another level. Amen. Now, let me submit to you. I'm going to start here. Hallelujah. You're going to say, what does this got to do with worship? But you just keep listening to me. Amen. And it's going to hit you. Amen. If you read Psalm 133, very familiar Psalm. Hallelujah. It goes, on, it goes on to say how beautiful it is and how pleasant it is for brethren to dwell together in unity. Amen. God is saying it's beautiful when we gather together. Understand that when we gather together, the sole purpose for gathering is what? It's to worship. Amen, somebody. Watch this. He says, when you gather in unity, it's like. In other words, he compares it to, watch this, uh, oil that flows, watch this, upon the head of Aaron and then upon his beard and then down to the skirts and the rest of the body. Now, here's what you have to understand very quickly. It, 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 it tells us how oil flows. It says oil flows from the top down. It doesn't say that it flows up. It doesn't say that it flows side to side. When you look at Aaron, Aaron uh, represents the priesthood. He was anointed, uh, chosen to be a leader. He is a picture of authority. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It is wonderful, watch this, to dwell together in unity, but then it compares unity, watch this, hallelujah, uh, to someone in authority. Watch this now, hallelujah. It goes on to say that it continues to flow down to the skirts. Amen, somebody. One of the things you've heard me say in the past is if you want the oil to continue to flow, you have to respect the pot that the oil is coming from. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. If you want the oil to continually flow, you have to respect the pot that the oil is coming from. And sometimes if you're not careful, because if you study the life of Aaron, you know that Aaron wasn't perfect. You know that Aaron made a mistake on occasion. But here it is. Watch this. If you focus on the container, you cheapen the value of the content. If all you did was focus on the container, listen, you hang out with anybody long enough, you're going to find something to talk about. Because ain't nobody perfect. Are you hearing what I'm saying? It doesn't negate the fact that God has called this man. Are you following what I'm saying? 
and, and placed him in a position of authority. Amen, somebody. You cannot receive from that which you view as common. You cannot receive from that which you view as common. Jesus goes to his hometown, and the Bible says he can only do but one or two miracles. Why? Because of their poor perspective of who he is. They viewed him as the carpenter's son, and because they viewed him as a common vessel, they can only extract that which is common from him. This is why the Bible says, receive ye a prophet, and you receive the prophet's reward. Let me put it to you another way. It says, if you receive the prophet in the name of a prophet, then you receive the prophet's reward. But you can see somebody who has a prophetic gift, view them as common only, and you'll only receive that which is common because of a poor perspective. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. The Bible says, watch this, that it is in that place in Psalm 133 where the Lord commands a blessing. Watch this, in the place of unity. And he compares it, watch this, hallelujah, to a people who understand, watch this, how to honor authority. And so if you look at the inference, hallelujah, if you look at the inference there, then disunity looks like a people in rebellion to authority. And the blessing of the Lord will be absent from that place. You see, what happens uh, today in the world that we live in is that we have, we are growing up in a culture that teaches young people today to rebel against authority. We live in a generation of dishonor. We disrespect so easily today. We'll disrespect the teacher. We'll disrespect the police officer. We'll disrespect our president. God help me in here. We'll disrespect our parents and have no problem doing it. But what we do not understand is that the culture of the kingdom is a culture of honor. And the kingdom of God works by honor. Hallelujah. And so watch this. You cannot move in the things of God if you walk in a spirit of dishonor. As a matter of fact, one of the Ten Commandments in your Bible, the fifth one, the one that comes with the promise says, honor thy father and thy mother. And watch this, you'll see good days and experience long days. Ooh, that sounds good to me. Hallelujah. And it says, watch this. Here's what it does not say. It does not say honor your mother and your father as long as they were there and always treated you right and always took good care of you and always did right by you. That's not what it said. It said, honor thy father and thy mother, period. Why? Because they were a life source unto you. You are here today because God chose those individuals to come together and bring you into the earth. This is why God has no problem saying, honor me. Or where is my honor? Because he is a life source. Are you in this place, church? My God, help me in here. And so watch this, hallelujah. He compares unity to an anointing. Amen. Now, let me submit to you in here that everybody, according to scripture, has an anointing from the Holy One. 
Everybody in here, just in case you don't know, because I know that's a real churchy word. And if you're visiting today, anointing means empowerment. Everybody has an empowerment and an ability. It's a God ability that rests on you. It's a grace. It's a power that comes from God so that you can do something, hallelujah, that uh, the natural man cannot do. Are you hearing what I'm saying? But I will submit to you that most of us are good. Up until now, what I'm saying, it makes sense to you. Watch this. You understand that you have an anointing. But let me ask you this question. Did you understand or do you understand that that anointing needs to be protected? I said, do you understand that that anointing needs to be protected? How do I know that? Well, my Bible says, watch this, that after they made or after they received the command, watch this, from God to make the anointing oil in the book of Exodus, in the old covenant, hallelujah, it was made out of four spices. I don't got time to get into it. Uh, half of it was bitter. Half of it was sweet. Amen. And watch this, hallelujah. Uh, most of it was made out of the bitter than the sweet. So if you're going to walk in an anointing, you better be prepared. Oh, I can't. I can't. Hallelujah. Because it's going to be bittersweet. It'll be worth it in the end. Hallelujah. But it will be bittersweet. Amen, somebody. Hallelujah, Jesus. Anyhow, the Bible says, watch this, that if one fly, one fly, this is uh, Solomon speaking to us in the book of Proverbs. If one fly falls in the oil of the apothecary, which is the perfumer, uh, one fly falls in the oil and dies, it ruins the oil. Which allows me to know, hallelujah, that you need to protect your anointing. You need to, you know, have you ever been to a barbecue? Have you ever been even at a restaurant and a fly sneaks up in there? How annoying is that? I mean, it is annoying. It is annoying. Amen, somebody. One fly, just one fly. And I'm thinking to myself, wow, rather than just sitting there and spending all my time trying to swat that fly away after that anointing oil was prepared and then poured out someone like me would have just covered it are you hearing what i'm saying but let me just submit to you that that's powerful why because if you're going to protect an anointing that's on your life uh, one of the ways that you could and should do it is by getting covering uh, a powerful anointing needs a powerful covering uh, God, for those of you who like to mess up your Bible with a highlighter, anybody like, like me in here, you look at my Bible, I got like six color, six different colors highlighted in my Bible. And uh, here's what I know about a highlighter. Uh, if I take the cap off a highlighter and just start going to town, highlighting, I noticed, hallelujah, that I usually got to put the cap right back on after a short while. Because what ends up happening to the highlighter is that it dries up. It don't matter if it's brand new. You go two pages highlighting, it's going to start to dry up. And you're going to see it lighten and lighten. And then you put the cap on, you wait a minute or two, you open it again, and you do it. And it comes out nice and moist and wet again. Anybody know what I'm talking about in here? Well, this is what happens to the life of an individual who does not have covering. You will dry up. I said you will dry up without a covering. You need a covering to help you protect the anointing that's on your life. Let me talk to you some more about authority. Can I just submit to you that authority is a spiritual issue? I ain't getting no amens. I got a couple of mmms. Listen, authority is a spiritual 
issue. It's not an issue of volume. It's not even an issue of knowledge. The reality is that you can know much more than somebody else and that somebody else still have authority over you. God help me in here. This is why the challenge oftentimes in scripture is to submit to authority. But watch this. Submission is not submission until you have to do it. <laughs> I said it's not submission until you have to do it. Until you think you know more than the person that's telling you what to do. But you still have to do what the person who's in authority is telling you to do. Yeah. Hallelujah. Oh boy. Help me Jesus. Authority is not something that you can snatch. Oh God. In other words, authority is something that has to be given. In the kingdom. Authority is given. Even in secularism, authority is given. As a matter of fact, I would dare say that it's only in the church where we try to promote ourselves. I'm so glad we worshiped already. Watch this. And so authority is something that has to be given. If, if, if you think that authority can be snatched or just taken, watch this. Then, and I heard this illustration. I thought it was powerful. Uh, then go up to a police officer and try to snatch his badge. Yeah, go up to a police officer and try to snatch his badge. As a matter of fact, watch this. I don't care if you have a gun. You can go up to a police officer with a gun and try to snatch his badge. But at that point, you know what it will be? It will be a criminal offense. Because even though you have a gun, you do not have a badge. In other words, you do not have the authority to take it, therefore you cannot take it. And if you try to take it, it will be illegal. Are you in this place, church? And it's just amazing to me how sometimes we'll run around like, like would-be cops. Toting a gun around, pointing it at people, talking about bang, bang. Shooting people, watch this, without a badge. Or oh, it's deeper than it sounds. Are you hearing what I'm saying in this place? Hallelujah. And it's not that you're not gifted. You are gifted. It's just that your gift is not under authority. Hallelujah. Authority cannot be taken. It has to be given. Are you with me so far? I have to be under so that I can be over. <laughs> Some of us want to lead, hallelujah, never followed. Amen. God help me in here. We want to own the company, but you were never a good employee. You want to be an employer and never <laughs> serve as an employee. Are you hearing what I'm saying? As a matter of fact, watch this. There's a centurion man that comes to Jesus and says, my servant is sick. I need you to come and help my servant. Watch this. And Jesus said, all right, let's go to your house. Jesus said, you don't, and the servant said, you don't have, the centurion said, you don't have to come to my house. Just speak the word only. And Jesus is like, whoa. And, and then he explains his faith. He says, because I am a man. You need to check that story again. Because I am a man under. Oh, I love the King James. He says, it's because I'm a man under authority that I can tell this one go here and that one go there. And they listen to me. What he's saying is, I have authority that has been given. 
And because I have authority that has been given that I am up under, hallelujah, now I can lead. Now I can be over because I am under. Are you in this place? God have mercy in here. Authority has the power to end things, to put a stop to things. Some of us, our lives are chaotic, hallelujah, because we don't have order. And your God is a God of order. And Satan will always have a right in the life of the individual who lives disorderly. Are you in this place, church? If your life is chaotic, the way you make choices is chaotic. Satan is always going to have reign in that place. It's not until you put some order into your life and then take authority that you can resist the devil so he can flee. See, we think that resist the devil just means rebuke him. But I will submit to you that part of resisting the devil, hallelujah, has everything to do with you having order in your life. Because if some of you were honest in here, you would testify. I did rebuke him several times. Still didn't leave. Why? Because my disorder and my dysfunction has granted him access. Mm. And it's not until you move in authority and order that you can resist him. Now let me show you something. Because I'm still talking about authority. God, I hope I finish this. Genesis 9.20. Put it up on the screen very quickly. Genesis 9.20. I'm going to show you a story that you're probably not familiar with. But I'm going to show you, hallelujah, the, the results of dishonor. Amen? Hallelujah. Genesis 9 and verse number 20. Hallelujah. And Noah began to be a husbandman, and he planted a vineyard. Let me put a backdrop on this very quickly. They just survived the flood. Biggest flood that ever hit the planet. Amen. The global flood of Noah's Ark. You know the story, right? They're coming out of that major storm. Amen. And Noah began to be a husbandman and he planted a vineyard. And he drank of the wine that he planted and was drunken. And he was uncovered within his tent. Hallelujah. Now. I'm not going to even attempt to justify his wrongdoing. But if you had just survived the biggest flood to ever hit the planet. And you made it out of that alive. That's all I'm going to say. <laughs> Watch this. And so he was drunken and he was uncovered within his tent. In other words, he was naked. Amen. Next verse. And Ham, one of his sons. I believe he was the younger one. And Ham... The father of Canaan, that's his inheritance, watch this, saw the nakedness of his father and told his two brethren without. Now I want you to see the spirit of dishonor working here already. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Because watch this, Ham his son is the first one on the scene who sees his father's nakedness. And instead of just saying, oh man, look at dad, you know, <laughs> And just going in there, maybe like looking the other way and just grabbing the covers and covering his father. I want you to see a spirit of religion at work because a spirit of religion always looks to expose. I said a spirit of religion is always looking to expose. Hallelujah. 
Ah, but a spirit of relationship with God understands that love covers even a multitude. Come on, church, where you're at. And so love covers, religion exposes, amen. This, this young man, rather than just covering his dad, that's my dad. This is the man that just led us through the worst storm to ever hit the planet. And what I do out of appreciation is I mock him. The one who led me out practically rescued us because he was the only one that believed God. And now I'm going to mock him. And so he goes, look at how this spirit works. It goes to tell somebody else. It doesn't wake his father up to talk to him about it. I mean, if, 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 if I see somebody doing something wrong, hallelujah, I think the best thing that I could do is go up to that individual, myself, hallelujah, and talk to them about what I, what I see. Maybe he needs to shed some light on why he's doing what he's doing before I just pass judgment. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so watch this. No, but he doesn't, he doesn't do that. He runs to his two brothers. Now I want to show you a spirit of honor. Amen? Show me the rest. Give me the next verse. And Shem and Jepheth, the, the, the other two brothers, took a garment and laid it upon both their shoulders and went backwards. Now you, you got to catch this. The two other brothers heard, they ain't find it funny. Matter of fact, they went to the tent. When they got to the tent, they turned around. Had a, a garment, one on this shoulder, the other on the other shoulder, and walked into the tent backwards. Listen to what it says. And covered the nakedness of their father, and their faces were backwards. In other words, they never even looked. They went in there backwards, head backwards, and covered their father. Now, what was the result? To make a long story short, hallelujah. Let me, let me give it to you. Go ahead. Give me the next verse. Hallelujah. And Noah awoke from his wine and when, watch this, and knew what his younger son had done unto him. It was the younger one. These young people, I tell you. Let me stop. <laughs> watch this. And he said, curse be Canaan. And servant of servants shall he be unto his brethren. Next verse. And he said, blessed be the Lord God of Shem. And Canaan shall be his servant. Next verse. God shall enlarge Jepheth. And he shall dwell in the tents of Shem. And Canaan shall be his servant. Anyway, I say all that so that you can see the results of this particular story. Watch this. Two of them covered their father, and you know what they were? Blessed. Their future was blessed. Their inheritance was secure. The one that dishonored was cursed. Are you hearing this preacher? Amen. Let me show you another story. I ain't going to finish this. Watch this. Uh, let me show you another story real quick. 2 Kings 2.23. 2 Kings 2.23. Now, this one, hallelujah, is, is, it can be quite humorous, but at the same time, uh, a little vulgar. Amen? Hallelujah. But just watch me now. I don't recall anybody preaching on this story right here. <laughs> Amen? Watch this. And he went up talking about Elisha. Watch this. And he went, the prophet. And he went up thence unto Bethel. And as he was going up, by the way, there came forth little children out of the city. 
and mocked him. Now, let me just submit to you that, that in the Hebrew here, little children don't mean 10-year-old. Let me just say that in here. It is the Hebrew word where we get the word lad from, and usually you were a young adult already. Amen? Oftentimes you'll find children and lad mentioned in the Bible. Not always, but it'll mean older. Anyway, going up, by the way, there came forth little children out of the city and mocked him and said unto him, Go up, thou bald head. Started calling the man of God bald. Amen. Heed the warning of the Lord. <laughs> thou bald head, go up, thou bald head. And he turned back, looked on them, and cursed them in the name of the Lord. And there came forth two she-bears out of the wood and tear forty and two children of them. Now you read that story, that's like, God, that's crazy. They mocked the man of God. The man of God turned around, cursed them, and bears came out the woods and devoured the young lads. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Now, I'll show you this story not because it's humorous. I'll show you this story because they dishonored him. And the dishonor brought about negative results. God help me in here. But this young generation today are as rebellious as rebellion can be. Let me show you one more. 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse 1. 2 Kings chapter 7 and verse 1. And then I'll move on. Oh God. Hallelujah. Here it goes. Then Elisha said, Hear ye the word of the Lord. Thus saith the Lord, Tomorrow about this time, Shall a measure of fine flour be sold for a shekel and two measures of barley for a shekel in the gate of Samaria? Now, understand, there was a drought in the land. Amen? There was a famine. There was a drought. And the people were in want. And the man of God comes and says, thus saith the Lord. By this time tomorrow. But watch what happens. Then a Lord on whose hand the king leaned. Be careful who you lean on. God, help me in here. Then the Lord on whose hand the king leaned answered the man of God and said, Behold, if the Lord would make windows in heaven, might this thing be? And he said, watch this, Behold, thou shalt see it with thy eyes, but shalt not eat thereof. And so I want you to see this. Watch this. The prophet comes and says, This is the word of the Lord. By this time tomorrow, everything's going to shift. He was announcing that the famine was over, and by tomorrow, you were going to see it. But they didn't believe it because they had been in it so long. <laughs> and you, whenever you've been in something a long time, you want to come out, but you don't believe you're going to come out. God, help me in here. And so watch this. He says, if God made windows in heaven, which he does, by the way. Let me just throw that out there because he'll open up the windows of heaven and pour you out a blessing. You don't have room enough to receive, right? So watch this. If God would just make windows in heaven, shall this thing be? In other words, this is preposterous. This is, this is crazy. And the prophet looked at him and said, you're going to see it, but you ain't going to partake of it because of your disrespect and your dishonor. And it was so. 
just like the man of God has said. Amen. And that man did not partake. Ooh, are you hearing what I'm saying? If you're not careful, people you lean on will keep you from your blessing. Are you hearing what I'm saying? I pray that the king, hallelujah, believed. <laughs> Amen, somebody. So three instances. Watch this. And the results, all negative. One ended up cursed. One ended up devoured. Amen. And the other one ended up in a famine and remained broke. Are you hearing what I'm saying? Watch this. Hallelujah. King Saul, when you study the life of King Saul, King Saul teaches us that you can mishandle an anointing. You can mishandle an anointing. Now, up until now, I've been talking to you about the way you handle the anointing on someone else's life. But can I help you in here? You can mishandle the anointing on your own life. My God. Listen, when I was studying this, I heard the voice of the Lord tell me, watch this. Do not become common with what I put on you. Help me in here. Do not mishandle or become familiar with what's on you. I put that on you. The worst thing you could do is become familiar with it or become common with what I put on you. God, help me in here. One of the first things that Jesus says when he comes on the scene, in, uh, it is the, the prophecy of Isaiah 61, but when he comes on the scene, the first thing he says is, I'm anointed. God, help me in here. I'm anointed. The Spirit of the Lord is upon me and has anointed me too. Now, that's powerful right there because you have to understand that you're not anointed because you're cute. You're anointed too. In other words, you get an anointing to do something. And then he gives a list because his anointing is multifaceted, right? So he gives a list on what he was anointed to do. You know that story. To open up blind eyes, to set free uh, the captive, uh, to bless the poor, uh, to preach the acceptable year of the Lord. All that stuff, hallelujah, was part of what he was anointed to do. Amen? It said that the Spirit of the Lord comes upon you. Now, can I just help, in you, help, help you in here? Just because the Spirit of God is in you now, doesn't mean it can't still come upon you. Uh-oh. Because I will submit to you that the Spirit of God is in you mostly, mostly for internal purposes. The Spirit of God is in you, watch this, for your spiritual growth, for your discipleship, Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. For, for the building up of your inner man, which is very important. Amen. But the Spirit of the Lord will come upon you for external purposes. Oftentimes, hallelujah, for the building up of others or the tearing apart of heavy opposition that will come into your life to try to stop you and block you. God, help me in this place. Hallelujah. Are you hearing me? You, you notice in the life of Samson, the Spirit of God always came upon him whenever he had to deal with heavy opposition. Amen. Whether it was 1,000 Philistines and he was by himself or whether it was a lion that meets him on the road to where he was going. The Bible says that the Spirit of God will come upon him and he would handle 
that external thing. On one occasion, he, God, I don't, it had to be the Lord. He ripped, he tore a lion in two. Then went on his merry way, and on his way back, he saw honey <laughs> inside of the carcass of the lion and ate from it. Are you hearing? And there's a lot there. I won't talk about that, but I will submit to you, hallelujah, that that spirit of God will come upon you to help you, hallelujah, with external forces so that you can have what I like to call a sweet victory. <laughs> Amen, somebody. Now, let me say something powerful in here that most of us need to understand. Every calling to ministry is not a calling to the pulpit. Every calling to ministry is not a calling to the pulpit. Amen? Ministry does not equate to microphone. That could be part of your calling, but God needs you in other places. Behold, I send you out <laughs> into all the world. Amen? Oh, God, help me in here. Hallelujah. And so watch this. You know, I'm reminded of when Jesus uh, lets us know that he gave gifts unto men. Amen. The Bible says that before he says that, he, he leads captivity captive. Now, what I want to submit to you from that is simply this. You could, be, you could be gifted. You could be anointed and still captive. I get no amens tonight, boy. They are leaving. What? You could be gifted and still be captive. Anointed. Still captive. Ooh, and I will submit to you that your gift will not connect with your purpose until God has dealt with your captivity. Watch this, because you need to be free in order to be effective. I said you need to be free in order to be effective. Now, when I say free, I don't mean that you got to be perfect, hallelujah, but nothing can be still binding and holding you back, hallelujah. You need to be free so that you can be effective. And if you're not free, I don't care how gifted you are, you're not going to be effective. And I wish I had somebody in here that can testify. I know that's right because I had to grow through that. I knew I was anointed. I knew I was gifted. Hallelujah. But I still was struggling with some stuff that was holding me back. And I tried and I was not effective. And I couldn't gain no ground in my life until the Lord dealt with my captivity. Are you blessed in here? Can I give you a word of wisdom in here? Intimacy will increase your life. I said intimacy will increase your life. You know that out of all 12 disciples, there was one disciple that was more intimate with Jesus than the other 12. Talk back to me somebody. What was his name? It was John, not Peter. Peter was crazy. <laughs> Jesus Jesus loved Peter, though. I tell you, you got to love Peter. You know, deny me once, I might take you back. Deny me twice, whoo, the Lord will really have to deal with me. 
Deny me three times. But, but Jesus could deal with Peter. Because he knew that at the core, Peter had greatness on the inside of him. Amen, somebody? That's the challenge of leadership. Sometimes you got to see what's in. Sometimes it's way in there somewhere. It's that treasure in that earthen vessel the Bible talks about. Amen, somebody. But watch this. There was one of them that was more intimate with Jesus than all the others. And just in case you did not know, he's also the one that lived the longest. Because intimacy will increase. I said intimacy will increase your life. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And even from a spiritual perspective, if you are not intimate with God, you will live a decreased I said you will live a decreased life, hallelujah, because you have failed to realize that most of life is not your responsibility. See, this is what happens with most of us who are not intimate with God. We take all of life upon ourselves, failing to realize that most of life is not your responsibility, that my life is hid in him. And there are things that are my responsibility, but a lot of where I'm going has everything to do with him. Are you in this place, church? You know what's amazing about this story, too? Uh, there is a jealousy. There is a jealousy even among the other 11 about how Jesus favors John. Did you know that? To the point where the other 11 don't even call him John. They call him the disciple who Jesus loved. <laughs> they, they call him, oh, there goes the beloved. There goes his favorite. Isn't it amazing how even among brethren, there will be chatter about how God favors you? Watch, watch, watch. And people are always going to have something to say about the person closest to the leader. Say la. That means pause and meditate. Are you in this place, church? Woo! Watch this. But John had a revelation about what was important to Jesus because he spent time knowing him. See, John wanted something the other disciples did not want. Because while the other disciples were arguing about who's going to be next and who's going to get the position when Jesus leaves, and I hope it's me, and I think it's going to be me, and they're bickering about who's going to be next, John, a grown man, is leaning on the chest of another man named Jesus who's not his biological dad talking about just speak. And because he spent time knowing him, he gets the greatest revelation. Intimacy will increase your life. Oh God, am I helping anybody in this place? Closeness will give you access to conversations Jesus is not having with everybody. I say closeness will grant you access to conversations Jesus is not having with everybody. Jesus didn't talk to everybody the same. 
And there were things that he showed John that none of the other 11 got to see. Matter of fact, they didn't live long enough to see it. God, help me in this place. And on occasion, Jesus would say things like, I have so much that I want to share with you, but you cannot bear it right now. But one out of the 12 is able to bear it. And so I'm going to release what's going before the church and the world in the future to the man who was the most intimate with me. And he gave the book of Revelation to John. God have mercy. The Bible says the secret of the Lord is with them that fear him. God has secrets that are not easily accessible unless you get close. I'm trying to stir somebody up in here. You need to increase your pursuit. Amen, somebody. For when he beckons you to come close, like he did Abraham. I ain't even get to my text. Like he did Abraham, hallelujah, that you're ready. Amen, somebody. Now, let me say this because I have to land the plane in three minutes. There's no such thing as an untested worship. That's a good place to finish. There's no such thing. Your worship is going to be tested. If you read the 22nd chapter of Genesis, it starts by saying, and God tested Abraham. And he tests him in the area of his worship. In other words, you are going to have to take your worship past a song you sing on Sunday and turn it into something you do on Monday. God help because your worship is not going to be... Matter of fact, let me help you. Because you're singing real nice on Sunday. But you're not going to be tested in the area of worship on Sunday. <laughs> you're going to be tested on Monday or Tuesday. Or Wednesday. Or Thursday. Come on, somebody. Woo. Sometimes if we're not careful, we fall into worshiping what God is doing and not God. We, we get excited about the provision and we start praising the provision rather than the provider. It's getting quiet in here. Are you hearing what I'm saying? We start to adore the provision and abandon the provider. If you're blessed in here, shout glory. glory. Let me say this about Abraham in my last two minutes. Watch this. Abraham, you study his life. He has a habit of just bringing the wrong people with him. It got quiet. You think about it, hallelujah. God tells him when he calls him. In, in Genesis 12, get out of your country, get out of your kindred, get out, come out from your family. I'm taking you out of the familiar. I'm taking you out of what you know, right? And I'm going to walk you into something new. But Abraham took Lot <laughs> with him, hallelujah, and Lot proved to be bad for him. He assumed that because Lot was family, that Lot was going to be good for him, but Lot ended up not being good for him for him and sometimes it's not that it's bad it's just not good for you 
The Bible doesn't say that any of these two lads that walked up with Abraham to the bottom of the mountain to a certain point did anything bad. But they just were not good for where he was going. Because not everybody is ready to go where God is telling you to go. Not everybody's ready to go and not everybody's going to grow. To where God is growing you. Are you in this place? You will find Jesus on oftentimes only taking not the 12 but the 3 to certain places. Moses goes up on a mountain because watch this. Some things only happen on mountains. Jesus goes on a mountain knows he can't take everybody. So he takes three. Moses goes up on a mountain knows he can't take everybody. So he takes two. Aaron and Ur. Are you in this place? Oh God have mercy in here. Hallelujah. But some people are just needy for company. And just won't go anywhere without trying to take a bunch of people with them. And that would be nice if it was the right people. But, but, but we want to take everybody with us uh, like God is interested in who you prefer to socialize with. And it's a picture of Abraham taking what he doesn't need to the next level. I said it's a picture of Abraham taking what he does not need to the next level. And let me just submit something to you. Hallelujah. Nothing in this story shows us that Abraham needed to take these two guys. He had a donkey. The donkey was packed. And he had his son. And the knife and the wood and everything was on the donkey. These guys, the Bible doesn't say they were carrying nothing. They were with him, but he didn't need them. And he's trying to take what he does not need to the next level. But he finally wises up. Amen? Are you in this place? Ooh, I think that part of the reason we do that sometimes is because we're intimidated, watch this, with the uncertainty of what's next. Because, you know, when God challenged him, he said, I'll show you when you get there. In other words, just trust me. That's just trust me. Amen. And so he's challenged to go. But he's uncertain. And that could be intimidating. Amen. And so what does he do? Then let me just take some people. <laughs> let me just take some people with me. Just in case this thing goes bad. I have some company. And God tells him what he wants. I got to close. God, worship team, come up here. God tells him, watch this, what he, they just, there's just motivation to finish. God, God tells him what he wants him to do. Watch this. Sometimes God will ask you to do something while you're in pain. Oh, God, help me in here. Watch this. He just found out what God wants him to do. Take his only son up there and sacrifice him. Amen. And, and Abraham is walking in pain. Any father is walking in pain, but he is walking. Have you, have you ever been asked to continue moving forward in your pain? God, help me in here. 
Sometimes what helps, because I'm not going to stand here and say that that's easy. Sometimes what helps is that you take your focus off the pain and put it on the place. Are you in this place? Hallelujah. God, don't get comfortable in your pain ever. Amen. He's in pain, but God's taking him somewhere. I don't know who I'm preaching to in here tonight, but you're in pain. I know it, but God's taking you somewhere. Understand that. Hallelujah. You're being challenged to progress while in your pain. And there will not be any elevation until you accept your separation. Until you understand that God will lead you when you leave it. Are you in this place? Worship will impose social consequence. And we don't like this. We don't like this because we want to keep some of the people in our lives, in our lives. And that's all right as long as those people are good for you. But there will be no elevation until you can accept your separation. I can tell what somebody concentrates on by what they confide in. And worship is about concentration. When I worship, the focus is off of my issues. When I worship, the focus is off of me. And it's on him. Woo! As a leader, because of that, hallelujah, I've had to learn how to walk, assuming people will not be there always. Why you think like that, Pastor? That's negative. That's not negative. That's protection for my own heart. Because I've had plenty of people tell me that they were with me till the end. And I'm not here today. Are you hearing what I'm saying? And so you get to the place where you develop a greater threshold of pain. God taught me a long time ago, I can't bless you with a lot of people if three people keep making you lose sleep. Expand your pain threshold and I'll bless you with more. We got to go. Here's what, I, here's what I found out. People don't need my permission to change. <laughs> People don't need my permission to change. They'll change. One minute they cry Hosanna like they did with Jesus, and the next minute they'll cry crucify him. They'll change like that. Amen. Hallelujah. And that's not everybody, of course. Can I say this in here to close? Loneliness is not a matter of company. Oh boy. It's a matter of understanding. Hear what I'm telling you. Hear what I'm telling you. You could be married and feel lonely. It's not a matter of company. You could be surrounded by children and feel lonely. 
It's a matter of understanding. What's happening with you is that, watch this, you feel like people do not understand you. And because they don't understand you, you feel lonely. Leadership is lonely. You could be in a crowded room and be lonely because you cannot take the leader hat off. Are your associations causing you to compromise your adoration? here is these people can't go to where I'm going in worship because they will hinder my worship if he takes them with him watch this because of the kind of instruction God gives him if he has them with him they can convince him out of what God is calling him to do and what you need to understand is that God will put pressure on you to do what he's calling you to do and if you have the wrong people around you you will allow them to convince you that God cannot be asking you to do that because they would never do that but that's why God's not asking them He's asking you because you're ready to go to that place and they are not. God, help me in here. Hallelujah. Your company could be affecting your worship. People can talk you out of where God is taking you to. We're done. We're done. Stand to your feet. I always do this. I don't know who this message was for on today, but God is challenging you to take your worship to another place. There's more to this message I didn't get to. Oh, God. God is challenging you to come up higher, to come up to another place. Hallelujah. And what you need to understand is that whatever God asks you to leave, the reward will always be greater than what you lost whatever you leave for God understand that the reward will be so much greater than anything you lost in the process and on the way and let me close with telling somebody this in here God called a ram hear me a ram to the mountain that ram represents Abraham's provision. Now I want you to hear this because the challenge is for Abraham to go up the mountain. But what Abraham does not know is that God has called the ram to also go up the mountain. And I want you to notice that he does not tell the ram to come to Abraham. Because I know what some of you are saying by faith. I, it's coming to me. It's coming to me. My blessing is coming my way. 
that breakthrough is coming to me. That promotion is coming to me. That, that new house is coming to me. That new car is coming to me. But he didn't send the blessing to the man. He sent the blessing to a place. And then he told the man to get to that place. So if you're going to receive it, you're going to have to take your focus off the pain and put it on the place where your provision will be when you get there. God, have mercy in this place. Elijah called to the brook, called Cherith, for I have already spoke to the ravens and have told them to meet you there and feed you there. Only problem is you're over here and they're going over there. They're not coming to you. I already spoke to them and told them where to go. And now you need to get to the place get to the place you will never lack provision are you blessed in here church I ain't trying to make you shout if you receive the word of the Lord on today give God a praise come on give him a real good praise in here God is calling me to go yonder to worship so in this season of my life hallelujah I'm going to have to leave some things and let God lead me to the place hallelujah of greater worship to the place of greater provision hallelujah if you leave it I'll lead you if you can leave it I will lead you if you can leave it what are you willing to leave Some of us put the emphasis only on the place. But sometimes it's about what you're willing to leave in order to get to that place. Hallelujah. And you know, there's a whole lot more revelation to this story, but that's just not my assignment today. I hear God telling somebody in this place, it's time to take your worship to another place. Are you hearing what I'm saying? time to trust the voice you know. Over the uncertainty of what you do not know. Are you hearing what I'm saying? To take the climb for a ram in a bush on top of the mountain rather than stay on the bottom with some men and their donkeys. Are you blessed in here, church? I wonder if I got one person in here who says that word was for me. That word was for me. I feel challenged today. I feel challenged today. Hallelujah. Can we just praise them real quick? I know it's late. Can we just praise them? Can you just lift up our hands and say, I'm ready? Hallelujah. God is calling me to another place. Is there anybody in here? Let me know.